This is SGO On The Go, where we discuss advances in gynecologic oncology research, clinical practice, and other hot topics in our subspecialty. I'm Maddie Facemeyer, and today we'll be diving into the polarizing debate of bowel preparation in GYN surgery. Today's discussion will be moderated by Dr. Li Mei Chen, Division Director and Program Director at the University of California, San Francisco. Welcome to the SGO Education Committee's inaugural podcast. I am Li Mei Chen and leading a working group that will review key controversies in enhanced recovery after surgery pathways, or ERAS. Our format will be a brief pro-con debate followed by a series of frequently asked questions answered by the working group. A transcript will be made available on the SGO Connect Ed website. There you will also find references to some of the discussion points today. Our first topic for discussion will center around the role of bowel preparation, which has come and gone and come back again. For our gynecologic oncology debate, we have invited Dr. Heidi Gray from the University of Washington and Dr. Gretchen Glazer from the Mayo Clinic. First, Dr. Gray. Hello, my name is Heidi Gray. I'm a GYN oncologist at the University of Washington Medical Center and serve as the division director here in GYN oncology. Today, I'm going to talk about the pro side of using selective bowel preparation, uh, particularly in the case of radical ovarian cytoreduction. For radical cytoreduction for ovarian cases, we know that depending on your, your own hospital institution, but there can be upwards of a 30 to 60% bowel resection rate. And for our own institutional in, uh, data, uh, for us, it's about half of those are rectosigmoid, about a third are ileocecal, ileocecal excuse me, and 20% of the small intestine. So really the, the, the impetus or the data to drive uh, bowel preparation um, is based on the majority of the bowel resection that we're doing is, is usually large bowel. So we really have looked to mostly the colorectal literature uh, for how do we uh, prevent uh, SSIs, um, uh, surgical site infections, and anastomotic leaks. Historically, colorectal patients were given mechanical bowel preps prior to colectomy with this theory that it reduces the stool burden and anastomosis and would lead to less infectious risks. And, and that was actually true for um, g oncology as well, too. You know, during the kind of, I think it was probably the 80s or so, 80s to 90s, really the um, uh, landmark studies showed that parenteral antibiotics given around the time of surgery became a gold standard as that really significantly uh, reduced your surgical site infection risks. At the same time, uh, in the colorectal literature, they really began adding oral antibiotics to mechanical bowel prep uh, plus the parenteral antibiotics. And this was this um, has been a pretty uh, standard treatment um, or standard preoperatively for colorectal patients. Um, but what is the data? You know, what you know should we be doing this? 2009, there was two uh, Cochrane meta-analyses published, which they have subsequently relooked at in 2014 and seen the same data. The first was uh, Guenaga et al. that looked at patients undergoing mechanical bowel prep to no uh, prep at all. Um, and most of those patients didn't receive antibiotics. So again, this is retrospective uh, data and found that kind of surprisingly that there was no advantage uh, to mechanical bowel prep uh, with IV antibiotics versus no prep. Um, and actually there was maybe a slightly slower uh, surgical site infection uh, in patients that didn't have the prep, wasn't statistically significant. At the same time, another Cochrane meta-analysis was published, uh, Nelson et al., that compared IV antibiotics plus mechanical bowel prep versus oral 
and IV antibiotics plus mechanical bowel prep. And that showed, interestingly, that there was a significantly lower rate of uh, surgical site infection with the oral antibiotics plus parenteral antibiotics um, than either given IV or oral antibiotics alone. So this, again, calls into question that, um, you know, what should be the standard practice? Several other studies have subsequently looked at this, some observational studies from the Michigan Surgical Quality Collaborative and the Veterans Affairs Surgical Quality Improvement Program, or VASQIP, in 2013. And again, looking at this use of both oral and um, IV antibiotics over just IV antibiotics alone and found that um, there was a 50% reduction in surgical site infection. Again, when they looked specifically at just mechanical bowel prep, um, if you if patients had underwent just a mechanical bowel prep and did not have oral antibiotics, there was no benefit. Again, there's been uh, several other NISQIP publications since then in 2015 that uh, with really very um, high numbers of patients, colorectal patients, 8,500, 5,000 patients. One was Morris et al., um, and they again looked at patients who had oral plus parenteral IV antibiotics, and most of those patients, uh, about 90%, had a mechanical bowel prep. The surgical site infections were 50% less um, with a rate of six and a half rates of SSIs versus 13% if patients only received IV antibiotics. Uh, again, at uh, Scarborough et al. at Duke, again, looked at a similar um, group of patients, uh, NISQIP data, 5,000 patients, about pro approximately 5,000 patients. Um, looking at, uh, again, retrospectively, uh, patients who had undergone mechanical bowel prep uh, plus oral antibiotics, so about 30% of the patients had that. 46% just had mechanical bowel prep alone, which is kind of surprising since the data previously had shown that that actually does not reduce the site infection. 20% had no prep and only about 2% had just oral antibiotics alone. And when they looked at the, the larger groups, patients who had mechanical bowel prep plus oral antibiotic versus no preparation, the surgical infection rates uh, were statistically uh, less. So three and a half percent versus nine percent. And anastomotic leak rates also were statistically lower in patients who received mechanical bowel prep plus oral antibiotic. Uh, the anastomotic leak rates were about 2.8 versus 5.6%. So, you know, where does this leave us? Well, um, interestingly, um, you know, moving forward, uh, many surgical bundling uh, ERAS pathways have now included the use of oral antibiotics and mechanical bowel prep, particularly for ovarian cancer, cytoreductive surgery. There was a, a nice QI paper published um, at, at, out of Hopkins, Dr. Lippitt and Fader, um, looking at their five-point bundling project. I think this was in 2017. And one of their points of their bundle was using preoperative oral antibiotics and mechanical bowel prep prior to surgical cytoreduction for ovarian debulking uh, cases. And they did find, a, with their bundle, a reduction in surgical site infection from 20% to 3%. So, um, so in summary, if you look at the colorectal literature, it really does support the use of oral antibiotics. If, if you're oral antibiotics plus mechanical bowel prep plus a parenteral IV antibiotics as a standard of care uh, for patients who you are either planning or don't have a high risk or going to have a colon uh, resection. I think it's really critical to know that if you are going to do a bowel prep, clearly the data shows that mechanical bowel prep alone is uh, not uh, standard of care and actually might be harmful. Um, so if you are going to give a bowel prep, um, it should be with the oral antibiotics. Um, uh, if there's a use of oral antibiotics plus mechanical bowel prep. Thank you very much for your time. Next, 
we will hear from Dr. Glazer. Hello, my name is Gretchen Glazer, and I'm a gynecologic oncologist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. In today's pro-con discussion about bowel preparation before gynecologic surgery, I will be addressing the con side. Bowel preparation before major surgery has been in place as surgical dogma for over 100 years, with the first reported use described in 1887 by Halstead in his manuscript entitled Circular Suture of the Intestine, an Experimental Study. This practice was based on valid assumptions regarding the introduction of bacteria into the normally sterile peritoneal cavity during bowel surgery. The thought was that by decreasing stool burden, you could decrease postoperative infectious morbidity, including bowel leaks. This benefit has never been validated without question and has been associated with significant issues, such as patient dissatisfaction, dehydration, and electrolyte abnormalities. In our 2019 update of Enhanced Recovery After Surgery, or ERAS, guidelines for perioperative care in gynecologic oncology, the ERAS Society stated that routine preoperative bowel preparation should not be used before minimally invasive gynecologic surgery, and that its use is similarly discouraged before open laparotomy in gynecologic surgery, including gynecologic oncology. What makes this topic especially difficult to evaluate is its lack of prospective data in gynecologic surgery patients. Thus far, randomized controlled trials on the use of bowel preparation in gynecologic surgery have only been performed in minimally invasive gynecologic surgery and have not shown benefit for visualization, ease of bowel handling, and procedure performance. A recent paper published in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology by one of our gynecologic oncology fellows, Eleftheria Calogera, beautifully demonstrated why this is the case. Our team at Mayo Clinic calculated that in order to show a 20 to 30% decrease in baseline surgical site infection rates, any randomized trial would need 1,500 patients per group, or a total of 6,000 patients if one were to include each possible bowel preparation type, mechanical bowel preparation, oral antibiotics, mechanical bowel preparation plus oral antibiotics, and no bowel preparation. Gynecologic surgeons therefore extrapolate our practice from the colorectal surgery practice data and literature, and this practice has fluctuated over the years. From 2008 to 2018, randomized clinical trials and meta-analyses showed no benefit in overall morbidity, surgical site infection, anastomotic leak rates, or need for reoperation when including mechanical bowel preparation in preoperative protocols. This largely led to abandonment of mechanical bowel preparation within colorectal and gynecologic surgery. Around the same time, enhanced recovery after surgery protocols were gaining traction, including in gynecologic surgery with the Enhanced Recovery in Gynecologic Surgery paper published from our institution in 2013. This investigation showed no change in anastomotic leak rates and postoperative abscess despite no bowel preparation. A subsequent paper published in Obstetrics and Gynecology examined effects of implementing a surgical site infection reduction bundle at our institution and showed a 77.6% reduction in surgical site infection from 10.6% to 2.4% in women undergoing laparotomy with bowel resection for ovarian cancer debulking despite no use of bowel preparation in these patients. In the paper I mentioned earlier specifically regarding bowel preparation from Eleftheria calogera, an analysis of 224,687 patients from an Optum Labs database also showed no benefit in surgical site infection, 
or an asthmatic leak for any type of bowel preparation versus none in gynecologic surgery, and even in laparotomy for malignancy with a bowel resection. This study also showed an increase in postoperative ileus among patients who did undergo bowel preparation before surgery. These positive results call into question whether it was ever really the bowel preparation that decreased surgical site infection and anastomotic leak rates, or whether a combination of ERAS protocols and surgical site infection reduction bundles could give the same result with greater patient satisfaction and without the real downsides of bowel preparation. At Mayo Clinic, we abandoned mechanical bowel preparation in 2011 and have never gone back with the excellent results noted previously. Given the great unlikelihood of a prospective bowel preparation trial for gynecologic surgery, multiple retrospective and quality improvement studies showing no difference in surgical site infection and anastomotic leak with or without bowel preparation, and the likely synergistic effect of ERAS and surgical site infection reduction bundles in the reduction of key negative outcomes, we feel that bowel preparation can be omitted from gynecologic surgery protocols, even in women with planned bowel resection during laparotomy for malignancy. Thank you to both Dr. Gray and Dr. Glazer for those excellent points. The ERAS Working Group anticipates that there may be some unanswered questions remaining. Dr. Lisi Simons, might some surgeons feel that they might be able to omit bowel prep in some patients? How do you select patients for bowel prep based on clinical factors? As Dr. Gray has discussed, the majority of the data in favor of bowel prep is derived from the colorectal surgery literature. However, there are, of course, significant differences between colorectal patients and our ovarian cancer patients. Perhaps most obvious is that patients undergoing colorectal surgery will have planned, i.e. 100% chance of a bowel resection. In contrast, the need for bowel resection in patients with ovarian cancer is less predictable. In the literature, it's generally reported that somewhere between 30 to 50% of patients undergoing primary cytoreduction surgery will have a bowel resection though this likely varies somewhat by institution and individual surgeon practice. As bowel prep is not likely helpful and actually potentially harmful in patients who do not require a bowel resection, an ideal scenario would be the ability to accurately predict who will require a bowel resection. Unfortunately, as we've seen with algorithms intended to predict optimal cytoreduction, there can be no perfect prediction model. Nevertheless, when I am considering whether or not to prescribe a bowel prep, I try to use factors that enrich for patients who will need a bowel resection. Probably the best study of these factors is the use of preoperative CT scan. In one study, CT alone had a sensitivity of 56.7%, a specificity of 72.4%, and an overall accuracy of 63.8% of identifying ovarian cancer involving the colon. The addition of exploratory laparoscopy improved the predictability. However, this modality is obviously not helpful when considering whether or not to prescribe a bowel prep the day before surgery. There's also been limited investigation into the use of CT colonography. This modality reported excellent sensitivity and negative predictive value in a small series of patients and is less invasive than a colonoscopy. However, it still requires pre-imaging bowel prep. Other factors have been evaluated, such as preoperative colonoscopy or sigmoidoscopy. However, these have in general proven to be less useful. They can be difficult to obtain in a timely manner before surgery. Given the limited data, there remains insufficient evidence for the use of preoperative endoscopy or CT colonography to predict the need for rectosigmoid resection in patients with primary ovarian cancer. 
Other factors that increase the likelihood of requiring bowel resection include clinical history of gastrointestinal symptoms, particularly rectal bleeding or significant constipation, as well as a pelvic exam demonstrating significant extrinsic compression of the distal rectum and or tumor nodularity in the posterior cul-de-sac. For patients with a high burden of disease in the deep pelvis, the risk of low anastomosis is higher, and therefore the potential benefit of bowel prep increases. Therefore, in my practice, I use a combination of clinical history, exam findings, and imaging characteristics to decide whether or not I will prescribe a bowel prep. Thank you, Dr. Simons. Your discussion centers around colon resection. If we don't anticipate colon resection, does that support not performing a bowel prep then? Dr. Rani Detecki, your thoughts? There is a dearth of reliable data supporting the utility of bowel preparation in the setting of a small bowel resection. For this reason, we recommend against using a bowel preparation when anticipating only a small bowel resection. In a specialized situation such as the creation of a urinary conduit. Any exceptional bowel prep considerations in these patients, Dr. Amanika Kumar? What about- Lee May, thank you for your question. I think similar to the data described earlier with regards to small bowel resection, there's really little to no randomized prospective data concerning the exact benefit of bowel preparation, really for mechanical or antibiotic prep or a combination in any patients undergoing a urinary conduit. This is really a area that doesn't have much data and certainly none in gynecologic surgery. There are a few Single center institution studies that have evaluated mechanical bowel prep versus no bowel preparation for patients undergoing urinary diversion, and all have failed to demonstrate a benefit of bowel preparation for either the endpoint of anastomotic leak, the endpoint of surgical site infection, or a composite adverse event uh, outcome. However, these studies are limited, and they mostly include patients undergoing an ileal conduit, so a small bowel resection, and Certainly extrapolation from the gynecologic oncology surgery literature and the colorectal literature wouldn't support the use of bowel preparation for any kind of small bowel work um, and a small, small bowel urinary diversion would be in that category. However, obviously there are urinary diversions that use large bowel and again, there's not great data. I have pulled some of that data and those resources will be located in our resource database, but um, I did seek out some expert opinion from some of my urology colleagues here at Mayo Clinic and then at other institutions, and they all agree that there's really no role of bowel preparation of any kind for an ileal conduit. However, there are some that will use a mechanical bowel preparation alone for a large bowel conduit. And this is primarily based on the data from colorectal surgery described by Dr. Gray. But again, there's not a great consensus and there's no great data in this area. So, you know, in my opinion, Given the dearth of data, it's really difficult to know what is best and what benefits we're offering a patient with the different kinds of bowel prep. And my opinion and how we are practicing in our division right now is I would lean away from any type of bowel prep in the setting of urinary diversion until there's solid evidence to support its use. And without that evidence, we're really, I think, offering potential complications and harm without any benefit. Perhaps the audience is still contemplating their practice changes. Let's say that a bowel prep is being planned. Dr. Stuart Winkler, what are at the fundamentals for your bowel prep prescription? So colonic stool contains approximately 10 trillion colony forming units of bacteria per gram. 
So while osmotic mechanical bowel prep decreases the overall stool burden, the bacterial concentration is unaffected. Decreasing this bio-burden of intracolonic colonic bacteria is the underlying rationale for the addition of oral antibiotics as part of bowel prep. From the colorectal literature, many regimens and variations of oral antibiotics have been published. For regimens that use oral antibiotics on the day of surgery, a common approach is to give ciprofloxacin 750 to 1,000 milligrams PO one to three hours preoperatively. For regimens that prescribe antibiotics on the day before surgery, probably the most widely used regimen is one that was first described by Nichols and Condon in 1973. Patients are instructed to take one gram of neomycin and one gram of erythromycin base at 1 p.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. on the day before surgery. So nowadays, metronidazole 500 milligrams is often substituted for erythromycin as it's better tolerated and has good activity against anaerobes. A common variation of this is to have a patient take one gram of neomycin and 500 milligrams of metronidazole at 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. on the evening before surgery. As originally described in the 70s, the oral antibiotics were given at the end of an intense three-day marathon mechanical bowel prep involving restrictive diets, osmotics, and enemas. But most surgeons who use this regimen today pair it with a shorter, more condensed, and humane prep, as well as IV antibiotics prior to skin incision. Well, at least the three-day marathon bowel preps can be avoided. Thank you, Dr. Winkler. So let's next talk about what a contemporary mechanical bowel prep might look like. Dr. Jeannie Chern, can you give us a quick overview of existing options? Mechanical bowel preparations before elective bowel resection is a common practice in colorectal and GYN cancer surgery. As described by Dr. Winkler, mechanical bowel prep is commonly paired with antibiotics. There are several methods of bowel cleansing, however, no consensus on the best regimen, and many historical regimens are no longer the regimen of choice today. The PrEP solutions have evolved over time as surgeons are more cognizant of other comorbidities patients may have, for example, renal disease or heart disease, and the unintentional adverse effects that mechanical bowel preps may cause. Commonly used solutions for GI tract preparations include polyethylene glycol electrolyte, or PEG solution, sodium sulfate-based preparations, sodium phosphate preparations, and combination regimens. The most commonly used preparation in the colorectal literature are polyethylene glycol solutions, which are isoosmotic and fairly safe with minimal fluid exchange across the colonic membrane. Examples of these PEG solutions include Go Lightly and Moviprep. With hyperosmotic solutions, such as sodium phosphate preparations and sodium sulfate preparations, there is a concern for fluid and electrolyte shifts and should be used with caution. Magnesium citrate is also a hyperosmotic solution that stimulates evacuation, but can also cause bowel distension. Additionally, other methods that have been used, though less studied in the literature, include laxatives used with or without enemas that are given the evening before or morning of surgery. The role of enemas is also unclear. However, enemas when used alone do not appear to have a significant difference in outcome in surgical site infections when compared to oral mechanical bowel preps. Our recommendation of the type of mechanical bowel prep to use would take into consideration any comorbidities that may be affected by fluid or electrolyte imbalances and then the most tolerable to take. Some of our patients do have medical comorbidities though. Dr. Ronnie Detecki, how would you recommend bowel prepping a patient with renal disease? 
In patients with pre-existing renal insufficiency, the type of mechanical bowel prep is especially important to consider. Absorbed oral sodium phosphate-based solutions can be particularly dangerous in these patients as their ability to renally excrete a high phosphate load is impaired, which can lead to hyperphosphatemia and other life-threatening electrolyte and fluid disturbances. Patients with compromised renal function, as well as those using an ACE inhibitor or an ARB, have also been reported to be at risk for developing acute phosphate nephropathy, which further worsens renal function and is often irreversible. However, the commonly used non-absorbable polyethylene glycol-based electrolyte solutions are safe in patients with renal failure. These solutions, also known as PEG solutions, should be the bowel prep of choice in patients with renal disease and other patients who may not tolerate fluid shifts well. Thank you to all of the discussants in this podcast. We hope that it was provocative and will generate discussion regarding your own clinical management. The information presented is that of the contributing faculty and presenters and does not necessarily represent the views of the Society of Gynecologic Oncology or any named company or organization providing financial support. Specific therapies discussed may not be approved and or specified for use as indicated by the faculty or presenters. If you like what you heard today, please let us know by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and hitting the follow button wherever you're listening. If you have suggestions for future SGO on-the-go podcasts, please email us at education at sgo.org.